Hi, everybody. It's Neil and Cheryl Josephson from Family Life Canada. We want to thank you for tuning in and even more for investing in your parenting journey. We built this workshop for you to provide real hope, practical help, and proven wisdom for you and your family. Now, just listen, learn, and then live it. Hi there, I'm Tony Newhoff, and I'm so grateful that you've joined us. I want to start off with a huge thank you to Family Life Canada for putting together all of these parenting resources um, for really helping people to grow and um, to have families where we love being home. Uh, that's my heartbeat too. And so Family Life Canada, thank you for holding this and uh, for inviting me to be a part of it. So for, for those of you I haven't had the privilege of meeting, uh, just a bit of background. I have uh, practiced as a divorce attorney, a family law mediator. I've been a pastor's wife for, uh, for many decades. Currently, I work for a communications company, I'm an author and speaker. And my husband, Carrie, and I went around the block um, not only a few times. We had a long, drawn-out season of struggle in our marriage our, our conflict went on for, I, I would have to say, about 10 years. And so I'm, I'm speaking to you from experience, but also from the perspective of uh, a, a peacemaker who has helped other couples to find peaceful resolutions to some of their issues at home. So welcome, and uh, I'm just so glad that you've joined me for today's talk. Well, I'll start us off with uh, winding the clock back about 20 years to a time when our kids were little. One of them was preschool. The other one had just started public school. And it was a Saturday morning in the summer. Carrie was outside doing his thing, mowing the grass and washing the cars. I was, uh, I was manning the mom front and uh, taking care of the boys' um, meals, packing up for a picnic, refereeing the odd argument that broke out. Uh, you know what it's like. I was juggling all the things, getting us all ready to go. And Carrie came in around noon and he said, well, are you ready? Let's go pack up the car. And at that moment, you know, that was part of our long drawn out season of conflict. I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't far off, but I still wasn't ready. And um, so I felt I started to get heated. And then I, I, I said, well, where were you when the kids were arguing? And Carrie kind of rolled his eyes and he said, just like you always running behind, never enough time. And that was enough to get this, get us into a heated argument, um, which I'm embarrassed to say, ended up with me screaming something ridiculous like, who made you the ruler of the universe? Really? And did, did this happen in front of our kids? Yeah, it did. Um, did I emotionally overreact? Mm-hmm. And would I have loved to have a chance to redo that moment? You bet. But as you know, and I know, we don't get to replay those moments. And maybe for you in your marriage, it's, it's not this long drawn out cycle of conflict. You know, maybe it doesn't get heated between the two of you, um, but maybe somebody throws the cold shoulder or typically withdraws or, you know, somebody is a verbal processor and takes up all the space with their talking and processing. Or maybe for you, you have been working on your conflict resolving skills and um, but somebody just isn't following the rules or you feel like you're stuck 
Well, I just want to encourage you that um, you don't need to stay stuck. And although it takes some time and it takes some training, we'll talk about that later, uh, you can transform the way your conflict, the way your arguments happen, the way you air your differences with each other, and to the point where it can become a superpower for your family and for your kids in the future. One thing I would love for you to take away from my talk today is that in your marriage, being connected beats being right. So why do I talk about that? Why in this, in this talk about conflict, why am I talking about being connected? Well, that's a great question. I'd love to turn to why. Uh, researchers who study what separates uh, couples who have successful relationships from, from people who struggle, um, one of the, the factors is that they stay connected, that they feel like they have each other's backs and that they're on the same team. And that sense of feeling connected to your partner is, is it's in-wired. We're designed to, um, to crave and to need that sense of connection in our closest relationships. And obviously your, um, your marriage or your partnership um, falls into that category. We're wired for intimacy. And without it, we tend to experience emotional pain. And you, you may actually not feel it, um, depending on how you have learned to manage emotions. Um, maybe you would say, well, I'm not feeling any pain, but I kind of do feel disconnected. Well, that um, emotional pain that I'm talking about, it can be hidden away. And you may not actually... Um, experience it in this moment, but eventually that pain of feeling disconnected, it does leak out. Uh, it might leak out as an addiction or a, a mental health struggle with anxiety or depression, or uh, maybe it shows up as overeating or overexercising. But somehow that emotional pain does, does leak out. And so it's, it's so very critical, even though we have, as parents, so many issues that we have to deal with. We need to, um, to take care of the finances for our family and, and where we live and maintaining your home and all the domestic activities, the laundry, um, the kids raising them, their activities, their education, their health. I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. I, I don't even need to tell you. But in your marriage, um, being connected beats being right. And, and that's why I want to talk uh, in this time about what are the features that separate unhealthy conflict from uh, a way of moving through your conflict that is, uh, is healthy and helps you grow. I'll talk about those features and then uh, I'll go on to say a few words about, uh, about humility as the foundation for making those changes. Uh, I'll talk about a few words that one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, said on that topic, it's ancient wisdom regardless of where you stand on whether you uh, believe that Jesus um, was a, a human being or what his uh, presence here on earth means. You don't have to have that all figured out. Um, Peter's words of wisdom uh, would uh, apply to us and help us anyway. And then uh, I'll end with a couple of questions for you to ponder and some advice. So let's jump in. What does unhealthy conflict typically look like? What are the features? Uh, John Gottman is one of, one of the 
prominent marriage researchers in the U.S. Uh, he's the founder of the Gottman Institute. He's studied relationships and marriages for decades. And he talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are um, four uh, communication techniques. They're not healthy. And when they show up, they need to be treated as a red flag that if you keep going in this direction, it's not going to lead anywhere good. And these four features are criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. So let me just say a few words about each of these. Um, the uh, criticism, I think, is pretty self-evident. Um, if, if one of you uh, ten, tends to have a critical attitude, um, if, especially if there are any personal put-downs uh, when you're trying to resolve your conflict, um, that's, that is not going to help you. Uh, defensiveness, that's when nothing can stick to you, when you, you can't shoulder responsibility for anything that um, you might not be proud of or something that needs to change in your life, um, that it somehow it always turns around to being your partner's fault that something happened or that you acted in a certain way. So criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling. Stonewalling is just shutting the conversation down, um, not participating in it. And sometimes sometimes people do that under the guise of keeping the peace when it really isn't. It's not a peacemaking technique. It, um, it's an obstacle to getting through your conflict in a way that honors both of you. And then lastly, contempt. I, I think you're familiar with this too, but when contempt shows up, it's that feeling that uh, you just don't want to be around your spouse. You can't stand being in the same room together. And so if you notice any of those four red flags, uh, do, do something. Reach out for help. Talk to a therapist. Talk to a counselor. Find someone you have good chemistry with. Um, but, but don't just leave these red flags unattended. Secondly, uh, your conflict... Um, if it's unhealthy, might be characterized by emotional overreactions, by something like, who made you the ruler of the universe? Yes, emotional overreactions, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's um, maybe disengaging, dissociating, withdrawing. Uh, those emotional overreactions are also signs that it may be a good time to reach out for some help. Um, positional arguing. That's where uh, if your conflict tends to be like, it's my way or the highway, and you both have your positions, and you're really not talking about anything in the middle ground, that's really not a healthy approach. And, and typically, it's not even reflective of reality. I mean, in most cases, the, whatever issue it is that you're experiencing a difference over isn't binary. There's more than two solutions to whatever it is you're struggling with. And, um, and we'll talk about under the heading of healthy conflict, how you can get past that, those positional um, stances. And then lastly, uh, are your kids getting drawn in somehow? Like when you are talking about an adult issue, something that really needs to stay between the two of you? Do you sometimes reach out and ask the, the kid who is closest by for their opinion? Or does your spouse leave and then one of you start venting to your kids? 
if, if your kids are somehow being drawn into your adult conflict, I would also take that as a red flag because your kids need the security of knowing that they can have a close and meaningful relationship with both of you without feeling like they're being pulled to one side or the other side by the conflict that's going on in your marriage. And, uh, and again, if this tends to be happening, then be intentional about reaching out to another adult for support, a close friend, a family member, but not your kids. So let's um, flip the coin now and talk about what are the features of healthy conflict. So in a healthy conflict process, you've got four features, listening, empathy, brainstorming, and sharing power. And I'll talk about each one of these. So listening, that may sound pretty obvious. I mean, we all talk about how important it is to, to listen. But sometimes when you get into a conflict with your spouse, it's easier said than done, right? We can get provoked. Some of the issues that we talk about are very close to our heart and you know may cause us to feel heated in a flash. And so listening may not be easy, but it's crucial to a healthy conflict process. So you may want to use a technique such as um, sending each other emails in advance. You want to be able to listen to a deeper level, not just to hear your spouse's opinion, but to hear the interests, the values, the beliefs underlying it. You may think you have your spouse all figured out and you can just fill in the blanks and you can guess what their values and beliefs are. But as, as you probably know, we're all humans who grow and evolve, and you may be surprised about something that you learn when you really listen to your spouse. So work hard on listening. Next, empathy. So by em empathy, what I mean is noticing and handling your emotions, both yours and your spouse's, in a respectful way, in a way that validates emotions. Because all emotions are valid. Emotions are what they are. Your spouse isn't wrong to feel the way they do, um, but not all actions are okay. Uh, so let me explain a little bit more about what I mean by empathy. Uh, I'll tell you about uh, a, a conference that I went to once early in my career. I listened to an oncologist talk about how to develop a better bedside manner and a better connection with patients. He was talking to a whole crowd of doctors. He said this, if I give my patient a diagnosis and she starts to cry and I go on and talk about all the very best cutting edge treatments that we have to offer, she will struggle to trust me and she'll perceive me as being cold because I skipped over her emotion. On the other hand, if I give my patient a diagnosis and she starts to cry and I stop even for a moment and I, I say something like, I'm so sorry, I would react that way too if I were you. Then the opposite happens. She perceives me as being warm and better than that, she will trust me. And it's the same in your marriage. Even though intuitively sometimes we think that acknowledging our spouse's emotions means that we're saying that they're right, it doesn't. Um, we think that acknowledging their emotions may actually escalate the situation and make it worse. It tends not to. 
When you give each other the emotional safety that, that each of us need in our close relationships, we need to feel like there's somebody in this cold, hard world that actually gets us, who understands us at a deep level. Giving each other that emotional safety and empathy is, is critical. Next, I want to talk about brainstorming. I alluded to this before, that often whatever you're talking about is not binary. There could be many other options that you haven't stopped to explore. And so as you work on creating uh, an environment of emotional safety for each other, also think about what other options are there. I mean, you came in with this position and, and I have this opinion, but what other feasible options are there? It's, it's important when you get into brainstorming that there is this umbrella of safety over what happens so that you're not going like freaking out saying, what do you mean by giving me that solution? How could you even think about that? <laughs> and um, you might even be tempted to pull out the logic card. Like what you're saying is not even logical. Hey, you know, when you pull out the logic card, you're basically saying you're being stupid. And would you want to be called stupid? Mm, it doesn't, it, that doesn't fly. So don't pull out the logic card create space for you to brainstorm because sometimes that crazy idea might lead to something that is actually workable and very realistic. And then lastly, it's so important to share power. And what do I mean by that? By sharing power, I mean sharing decision-making authority. Uh, John Gottman, again, has done research into what happens in a couple with their dynamics if one person refuses to be influenced by the other or refuses to allow the, them to participate in decision-making. He says that there's an 81% chance that the relationship will implode if one spouse refuses to be influenced and to take into account their spouse's opinion and to be flexible. So it's important to be deliberate about sharing the decision-making authority. So if you've been listening to this, to the unhealthy features of conflict and then the healthy uh, approaches, and you're thinking, hmm, it looks like we've got some work to do. And maybe if, you, if you're in a season like the season Carrie and I were in, it just seems overwhelming. Like you don't even know if you're going to be able to get there. I know what that's like. We felt that way too. And over time, we've been able to turn around and transform our conflict process from like, who made you the ruler of the universe to, uh, well, Carrie dinged my car with his car. And I, I just said, oh, I'm so sorry. Hun, even though I didn't really have anything to be sorry for. And I said, hey, I was jo joking with Rob, our car body shop guy, uh, that we're keeping him in business. Ha ha ha. And so I bet that you can make that transformation in the way you carry out your conflict too. Um, by just remembering this, in your marriage, being connected beats being right. You may feel like this is a, a, a daunting ask on my part, but there's, there's something that I found that made a crucial difference for Carrie and I, and that was the posture of humility. And this is where Jesus' disciple Peter's words uh, come into play. 
uh, regardless of what you believe about Jesus, I, I believe that these words from Peter are so very valuable. He was a disciple who um, went through his own learning process in a posture of pride and then posture of humility. And uh, that goes beyond what we're talking about today. But he gave this advice to one of the churches he was writing to in those days after Jesus was resurrected. He says this, he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And we've discovered that this posture of humility was so critical to our own process of transforming the way we do conflict in our marriage because we don't go to the counselor and wait for the, the counselor to see things our way so that we can we can oppose, you know, and even spring that aha moment on, on our spouse, like, aha, you know, the counselor agrees with me and you were wrong. Uh, no, you go into the counselor with this posture of, you know, I have something that I'm contributing to the mess that we're in right now. I also need to learn a thing or two. And I really need to know what it is I need to learn because I want our relationship to be successful and I want us to have that connection. So even if you are thinking, well, you know, maybe 90% of the, the blame for what's happening in our marriage rests with my spouse and I own 10%, go in with the humility of truly owning that 10% and making that change in your marriage. So I want to leave you with just a couple of questions. One of them is, are, are you experiencing emotional overreactions in your marriage? Has that been an issue for the two of you? If it has, I, I would encourage you to do some reading, talk to a mentor, uh, get connected with a counselor, but, but don't ignore the emotional overreactions because chances are they're trying to tell you something and you've got some room to grow. Secondly, is there space for a family meeting? Has something gone down in front of your family, in front of your kids? that really warrants uh, an apology. I'm, I'm asking you to, to think about this in the context of humility, because your kids already know that there's an elephant in the room. Now, it's not hidden from them. And so if they hear you say something like, oh, last week when we were arguing about blah, 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 I said this to your mom or your dad, and uh, I didn't mean to say that I love and respect your mom, your dad, and I want you to know that I'm working on this. I know that that's a weakness of mine, and I need to do some work, and I'm sorry for the way that happened in front of you. And how do you feel? Some parents feel timid or awkward or feel like maybe they're undermining their own credibility if they open these conversations. But believe me, um, that will also be a piece of transforming uh, the way conflict happens in your home into a superpower for your kids. And lastly, you know, to go through a process of changing how you show up in your marriage, changing how you show up and participate in arguments is not easy. I know that it's not easy. It takes a lot of work and I would encourage you to have a training mindset. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about Craig Grishel. He's a, a, a leader in the U.S. who has a lot of wisdom to share. He's a, a church leader and he says um, that it's important to train, not try. 
It's not that you're just trying to change. It's that you are training for the change that you want to make. And so put on that, that training mindset and think of yourself as, as, as doing a workout every time. And you know, even a five minute workout is valuable. All the baby steps that you take with that training mindset will pay off in the end. Um, because I really want your family to experience what it is to, to transform your conflict, um, to allow it to become a, a superpower for the level of connection you have, and, and for you to really remember, even in the heat of the moment, that in your, in your marriage, being connected beats being right. I'd just like to close us off with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for each person here. God, I thank you for the love they have for their marriage, um, for the desire they have to learn and to make changes, and the, the love that they have for their children. And God, I pray that your love and power would be at work in each one of us. In your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, again, we're cheering you on. Want to see you love being home. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you're feeling encouraged and that you have some new tools to try out in your own parenting. Before you go, we want to remind you that our team is here for you to respond to your parenting questions and especially to pray for you. So please email your questions and any prayer requests you might have to questions at familylifecanada.com. We really do want to help.